episode 53 with Randy Liego. Randy is currently the sax player for the Beach Boys and has been touring around the world with them for the last several years. Thanks to my co-host Rob Asselstein for connecting us and Rob's worked with Randy in the past as well. Uh, great conversation here. Also like to thank my sponsors, Music City Canada, a London great music store. Make sure you check them out online. Morning Buzz Coffee, also out of Hamilton. Uh, great musicians who own that company. Also check them out online. And my grandfather's fiddle. Uh, make sure you check them out online. Uh, great sponsors. Really appreciate them. Thank them for coming on board. And uh, I know you're going to like this one. So sit back, relax. Enjoy Randy Diego. <laughs> All right, we're rolling with Randy Diego, uh, live in Nashville, Tennessee. Is that correct? Yeah. Nice. Beautiful What's a- downtown Bellevue, Tennessee, I, the I, west side of Nashville. I did hear that Nashville's getting a lot of visitors this weekend, being in the long weekend. Uh, well, it's uh, uh, we get a lot of visitors anyway, yeah. uh, but uh, nothing's scaring them off now. So uh, I don't go downtown. Yeah. Unless I absolutely have to. And uh, it's just a lot of, uh, we used to be called a, a music town with a drinking problem. Now we're a drinking town with a music problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really has changed, right? And you go back the, the older days when it was really about going down and, and going to the Opry and seeing some stuff downtown and doing those touristy things and going to the museum and now it's just it's just about it's a the destination party. it's yeah. a destination for uh bachelorette parties and oh yeah mm-hmm. weddings my niece and took a whole whack of people down there and my my uh, son-in-law they like it's a destination for things that have nothing to do with country music oh absolutely absolutely yeah the uh, the uh the the visitor tourist and tourism and visitors bureau has leaned really heavily on that bachelor bachelorette party thing over the past several years and it's paid off but uh uh yeah it's a it's a great place to come home to still but it's it's lost it's lost some charm in the past several years i'm sure if you want to get a job at the tourism borough i'm sure the qualifications now change from how much can you drink to from you know how much country music do you know Uh, yeah to how much drink (laughs) how do you hold your liquor (laughs) So, Randy, you're playing with the Beach Boys now. That's pretty awesome. Um, you know what a treat that must be. That's that's it's, crazy. It's, it's great fun. Uh, uh, the favorite thing I've done in my career, and I've done I've done a lot of done a lot of fun things, a lot of interesting things. But uh, boy, I feel right at home with these guys. I bet. Yeah, it's. I was watching some videos too, and it's just uh, fantastic. And you know what a bunch of great songs to i mean that you just you, you can't get bored playing that gig oh yeah it's it's incredible they the they brought me out to watch a to watch a show when when they were considering hiring me and just let me see the what the the uh what the vibe was like and i just could not believe i was exhausted <laughs> by listening to the the list of great songs by the end of the show yeah just, just unbelievable and you get to play the kokomo solo yes yeah which is funny because it's really everybody's musicians. I find if I've had a couple Beach Boys 
groups I've worked with and they said, oh, I hate playing that song. <laughs> but it's it's everybody's favorite song. I mean, the audience it, it, goes it crazy for that song. You, you get you get over any uh, any uh, muso criticism of it <laughs> once you once you see once you see the audience reaction. Yeah. And, and they and they love it and they go crazy and I get a little moment in the light. So, you know, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. So how did that gig come about? Uh, as you know, as a lot of these things are, a friend of a friend of a friend heard they were looking and told this friend, and then they told that friend, and then it got back to to the uh, to the to the management. And uh, over uh, you know, with thanks to the internet, before uh, before I even spoke with anyone, the management had called me, and uh, uh, actually, Mike Mike Love's wife, uh, Jacqueline. Uh, is is his partner in, in in running the band as well as some other folks but uh, uh, she contacted me and said I've I've seen I know everything about you I've seen you all over the internet I know what you look like I know what you sound like and uh, you want a job <laughs> awesome well that's kind of neat I mean it's sure it's different than it used to be I mean and it shows people you have to watch what you put up on yes Facebook internet not get too political not get to whatever because if if you're up for a gig and they go through your facebook profile and they have you have some views that don't line up with their views that could mean a difference between having a gig and not having a gig in in in, in some cases but we uh they're you know we kind of embrace our differences in our group you know we yeah. uh there, there are lots of lots of cash bets going down every time there's an election. <laughs> I'm sure some cash is going to trade hands in the in the next couple of months here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So, uh, where where did you grow up um, in the U.S.? I was born in Houston, Texas. Nice. Uh, stayed there till uh, till I went away to college, and then I went to went to college at uh, what was then called North Texas State University in Denton, Texas, north of Dallas. Yeah. And it was, it's a, a, one of the top-notch music schools in the country. Uh, they've uh, produced people like Lyle Mays, uh, uh, Blue Lou Marini, uh, the, the list goes on and on and on. Bob Belden, great jazz producer and musician. Uh, Tim Reese, a sax player with the, with the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Uh, uh, was a classmate of mine. Greg Bissonette was a classmate of mine. He's uh, Ringo's drummer, which is not a bad, not a bad resume entry. Yeah, and uh, just uh, a lot of uh, it's it's like uh, you know you go you go someplace and you meet uh, you if, if there's a music scene in a town uh, in L.A., New York, Chicago, wherever there's a there's a there's a North Texas camp and there's a university of Miami camp and there's a Berkeley camp and uh, yeah. you know, everyone just sort of knows each other. Yeah. I can see that. So did you start playing at a pretty young age? I got in the, the high school concert and marching, you know, the junior high concert band and the high school marching band. And from an early age, I just uh, decided that was, that was what I wanted to do. Play music. Yeah. I was a, always a always a music fan. My family were huge music fans, so uh, no musicians that I'm aware of anywhere in the family. Yeah. But uh, they they sure loved it and took me to a lot of shows. Uh, I'm sure I saw Beach Boys shows when I was before I was ten years old yeah. and just didn't know it at the time. 
it, it's funny if you if you look back and i always look back at sometimes when you're young and you've gone and seen a singer or artist perform somewhere some big artist and then later mm -hmm. in your life you you work with them um yeah, yeah. and it's a surreal mm -hmm. thing because you always for me i flash back to those you know moments god i was 10 years old and went to this fair somewhere and saw this artist play at their you know the peak of their early career and and oh, isn't this great? And then several, <laughs> several, several years later, yeah, uh, here you are hanging out and they're friends. And it's just like, wow, that's just a bizarre uh, thought and, and experience. But it's cool that it happens. Yeah, very much. I was. Uh, we did. We we do shows regularly with with uh, uh, Bill Medley and the Righteous Brothers. Oh yeah. And uh, the about the first the first show. And I, I, I pulled one of my bandmates aside and he said, and I said, Hey, you know, I think the first concert I ever saw, my parents took us to see the Righteous Brothers. And, you know, I must have been five at the time. And he said, Oh, we got to go tell Bill this. And, and that doesn't right, make Bill feel much. Dressing no. room and said, Listen to this, Bill, listen. <laughs> Yeah, for but he, sure. he's a he's a great guy, Bill. We we always enjoy working with him. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. So, no playing at all before you're in the marching band, or yeah. just straight into to high school marching band. Yeah, playing, you yeah, learned from there. Picked up, picked up the saxophone at you know probably about the age of ten, you know, in middle school. Yeah. And uh, uh, immediately. You know, of course, the band directors say, "Well, you got to you got to learn a little flute. You got to learn a clarinet. Oh, yeah. Learn a little clarinet." So I took to the, all those things, and then I went, "Well, I'm, I want to play everything. I want to play. You know, I want to learn how to play something on everything." So that led me to keyboards and uh, percussion and guitar and uh, just the, the things that have uh, that have gotten gotten me through life as a as a musician, as a working musician. Here's a question for you, because I've never actually tried playing the clarinet. But mm -hmm. how how much harder is that than the sax? Because it, it always seems it, the one that squeaks the, the first. It, 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 it is its own thing. I had to dust it off just this past week for, for a re home recording project. And uh, uh, God bless Pro Tools, because I would never have made it to our performance. <laughs> Yeah, it's a tough one. I don't know what it, it always seems to be, but it seems the crossover, because I, I mentioned earlier, I, I, uh, I play sax and I started pretty young and then it was about my third or fourth instrument in. And because uh, I'm a string instrument guy, it was quite a change. Like it was, and I, I take it back to it. it I, I think it cured me. I used to get pneumonia every year, like in the hospital for several days um, happened every year. And about a year or so after I started playing the saxophone, bam, it went yeah. away. And I always think that I built my lungs up or it, in my brain, that's what I think cured, <laughs> whether it did yeah. or not. I, I have know. another friend that both you and I know, uh, Darren, <clears throat> I'm not sure if Randy knows him or not. Um, Eric Mahar, I think Eric might've played uh, in cruising with us. Randy. Anyway, he was, uh, he had a similar kind of problem. And the doctor actually prescribed harmonica. <laughs> mm -hmm. Really? That was the prescription. Yep. Wow. You know, that was a uh, uh, David Sanborn, great sax player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, legend. Uh, he suffered polio as a child. And his uh, doctor said, uh, 
I think maybe blowing on that saxophone will help you out. Yeah. And so we see where he wound up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> One of the but I tell I tell my doctor every time I see him, I say, well, you know, I might have the ache, various aches and pains, but uh, my heart and lungs will carry on when mm. the rest of my body fails. So does that mean? So does that mean that that if you prescribe saxophone, that it's it's uh, deductible as a health expense? Uh, I haven't tried. I haven't tried that yet. I don't think I could get away with that. At one time, at one time, the tax laws were such that I, I probably could have gotten away with it. It was it was funny because I one of the very first songs I learned to play or attempted to play was Yakety Sax. With I had a mm. a Boots several Boots Randolph uh, records, um, and that was my always my thing is is I learn a new instrument. Let's try it to pick one of the hardest songs to play with, yeah. a, with a record and sit there with the needle, drop it and try to listen to the first few notes and, and learn it, learn it. But yeah, Boots, Boots Randolph was uh, the guy I listened to. And- he, you know, back in the days of, uh, you know, I long for the days when you could hear instrumental hit records. Yeah. And, uh, and he was part of that, that gang. He was one of the Nashville representatives of that uh you know the, the a-team studio player like floyd kramer or danny davis and their own instrumental mm-hmm. hit records <clears throat> yeah That's right. did did boots go out on the road very much to play with anybody or is he just more of a studio guy and did his own thing i you know? i think just just as his his own guy yeah. uh you know he went out as doing his show i don't think he I don't know if he did any touring as a sideman. Yeah, because I just uh, thought know, about he, that. I don't remember him playing with anybody. And yeah, he he had a for a long time. He had a he had a club here in town, mm-hmm. down in uh, the Printer's Alley neighborhood. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, I know Rob has come here frequently enough. He may know that the area I'm talking about. But uh, yeah. uh, it was a it was a after it was Boots's club. It turned into it passed through several changes and I was in the house band there for eight or nine months one time about 20 years ago. And, um, you know, he, he, uh, he did a lot. He did a lot in town. He was always playing when he, when he passed, uh, they had a, 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 a memorial service at the uh, country music hall of fame and the the little theater that they have there. And, uh, they invited, uh, 15 tenor sax players of which i was one no uh to to play yakety sax and boots <laughs> with, with his with his with his with his band wow <laughs> so, that's that's pretty awesome yeah it tell, was, tell it me was, uh, tell me randy what's uh, about your journey from uh, north texas to nashville well uh north texas uh, i was there you know late 70s to early 80s and there was a, you know, there was a very, there was a thriving bar band uh, existence in in all around Texas and the South during the in those days. Yeah. So, so I hooked up with a band, and we were, we were super musos. We were we were writing kind of poppy tunes, but we were also playing, you know, twenty first century schizoid man and Frank Zappa and. <laughs> side B of Abbey Road. So we, we drew, we drew the musos, but we tried to make people dance when we weren't doing that stuff. <laughs> so we, so like a lot of bands, we just got, we bought, bought a van and a truck and hit the road and played all around Texas and the, the Midwest and the South. And, um, 
you know, after, after six or seven years, we kind of said, ah, it's not, it's not happening. Time to, time to move on. Did you ever play and, Green, uh, Green Hall in Toronto? No, no, never have. And, and uh, uh, surprisingly enough with all the country folks that I've played with, uh, I've never, I've never hit that spot, but, but Texas is its own world of music also. So yeah. they can, they get, they can get by with nothing but Texans. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But, uh, uh, but, uh, but it was literally when my band broke up and I didn't know what to do thinking about, well, maybe I ought to go somewhere else, go to Los Angeles, go to you know, even London was talked about, uh, uh, with me and my family at the time. <clears throat> and, uh, out of nowhere, I get a call from uh, from a guy in Nashville, and he goes, "Well, you know, I, I'm I'm from Arkansas originally, and uh, my friends my friends who I trust used to see you play in a band in Ar- in Fayetteville, Arkansas, regularly, and I'm looking for a guy that can handle saxophone, keyboards, and miscellaneous instruments." Uh, and I said, uh, "For for a new act on RCA that everyone's buzzed about." And I said, okay, yeah, that sounds that sounds interesting. Uh, how do I do this? Do I audition? And he said, do you know how to play? <laughs> I said, yes. And he said, you're hired. Be in Nashville on Monday. Wow. And uh, it was it was for a, a a Cajun accordionist named Joel Sonier. Oh, you play with Joel Sonier? Oh, yes, I, I yeah. love him. <laughs> and, and he was, this was late eighties and he, uh, he was signed to RCA. He was cutting songs by the likes of Richard Thompson and the blasters yeah. and, uh, uh, really be Americana before his time. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, a mixture, you know, he was seen as this new character, a mixture of country and rock and blues and folkloric music. And he is a walking encyclopedia of, Cajun folkloric music, Louisiana and North Louisiana Cajun music. He's just the living authority of that. And so uh, uh, he's still out knocking around. His country career lasted a few more years. But in the meantime, that led me to work with uh, people like Carlene Carter, Rodney Crowell, uh, lots of the, the, uh, the people who were, who were up and coming in the, in the days that Steve Earle called the great credibility crisis of Nashville. <laughs> and when, uh, you know, the radio was filled with Steve Earle and Kathy Matea and, uh, uh, I love it. Nancy Griffith, uh, all these, just these wonderful artists. Yeah. So that's more the eighties, right? So yeah, mid eighties, yeah, mid eighties yeah, up to, to early nineties. Uh, yeah, up to mid '90s, and then uh, you know Garth Brooks, great, great artist that he is, uh, he sort of elevated everything up to the to arena size. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, uh, and uh, he, you know, he great, great artist. I love him, but uh, but it was a that that was a sea change there when he came in. I, I've always been waiting for sax to come back into country music because it hey, it it was a <laughs> yeah it was a big deal. I mean it was having a sax player and and it was like having a steel guitar player almost uh especially yeah, in yeah. the 80s um and you know a lot of big great sax solos and country songs and then it just kind of slowly 
disappeared like the steel did and all those other instruments yeah, yeah, it became yeah. more guitar oriented but um yeah it, it i've been waiting for it to, to you know someone have a big hit with a big sax solo in it and yeah it's yeah. slower coming well, but it's gonna come i think it's um i really yeah, that, that's that's what we hope uh, on a on a parent you know we have uh uh I don't, I, in Canada, do they? Are you aware of the Americana music scene? Oh yeah, oh, very much, I, I, yeah. I, I say that to some people around around the states, and they're like, "What? We've never heard of what? It, what is this?" But uh, you know, it's a huge scene in Nashville uh, as, and other places like Austin and uh, big in LA as well. But it's huge here, and uh, uh, I do a lot of sessions for those for those kind of guys, you know, because it's. It's not country. It's I mean, it's a little country. It's a little roots. It's a little rock and roll. It's a little uh, R and B. So uh, you know, I do regular horn sections and blow the sax, blow sax solo every now and then for these uh, Americana troubadour types. Yeah, yeah, I do a lot of work with uh, Mickey Gilly up through sh- tours mm-hmm. in Canada, and that he still has a great. Well, his almost his original sax player has been with him for. Gosh, I think almost 50 years um, keyboard sax player. And that's the other thing too, is for with with sax players, it's always sax and keyboards. Usually Mm -hmm. you don't usually see a sax player play guitars or, or, I mean, they do, but it's not usually a switch over instrument form. It always seems to be keyboard slash sax or sax slash keyboards um, Mm -hmm. for almost every working sax player I've ever worked with has always been heavy on the keyboards. Um, yeah. And I, and that, it's a good mix. Yeah. And in, in, in my experience in Nashville, it would be, I would often be hired as the keyboardist, but Hey, we do have one song with a sax solo. Yeah. Uh, and it might even be a, the cover song at the end of the night, but here's a, you know, here's your moment on that. And by the way, uh, we need you to strum a rhythm, uh, an acoustic guitar on this number. And uh, hey, do you own an accordion? Uh, and yeah. so, uh, I've I've dragged around a lot of stuff in my days. I bet. So, what was it like first getting to Nashville and and performing with uh, Joel Sonier? That and that's kind of a different style altogether as well. Were you familiar with that, or was it something that you just had to? F- uh- well, well, like like I said, he was such an intriguing blend of things that I've you know I felt at home with it. I, I could if if I couldn't identify with the country, you know, I come from I come from the the Texas Gulf Coast, so yeah. I'd certainly heard uh, Cajun and Zydeco music in my life, and I kind of knew I kind of got that. And uh, we had an incredible band, uh, most of which are are my dearest friends still today, you know, and we get together every now and then and play, but not, not, not real regularly, but they're always the, the, the go-to guys when I want to just put together something for fun. Yeah. And, uh, he had a lot of buzz behind him at the time. And, uh, we did, uh, our gigs were just very exciting. It was like something, this is clearly something different. Uh, we did a, we did an incredible gig at the, uh, Horseshoe Tavern. Oh, uh, in, uh, in Toronto, yeah. uh, Toronto, yeah, in '88, and uh, uh, a fellow named X-Ray ran the ran the joint, and uh, it was a it was a good old time. And uh, 
we went from, you know, we, we toured on our own clubs uh, for several months. And then we got on a big tour, uh, uh, Alabama, Charlie Daniels Band, and Joel as the opening slot. Uh-huh. So that took, that took me right into arenas and festivals and got got to feeling pretty at home and that's situ- in that larger situation. So it was, uh, you know, you, it's a trial by fire. You yeah. get out there and, uh, do your, do your gig. And, uh, and, uh, it doesn't matter if it's 20 people in a club or 20,000 at a festival or 200,000 at a festival. Yeah. <laughs> you exactly. just do, you just, uh, try to try to look farther out there, the farther back <laughs> people go. What I like about, the Cajun music too, because it's all the intros and turnarounds and solos are so musically based. It's usually two or three of you guys playing the signature lick of the song. Yeah. Um, and it is, it's, it's the, those parts were just as much as the song what as the singing part. Uh, they almost yeah. seem like the, most of those Cajun numbers were instrumentals first that became someone, you know, put lyrics to them or something like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I I've got like two or three in my head swirling around right now. And, 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 and they're they're very much like uh, old blues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If if uh, if there's a if they're singing, and maybe this guy knows this particular Cajun dialect, he might throw in another word with a couple more syllables. So maybe you got to throw another beat in here at the end for it. Or, or yeah, so it's it's very it's very li- you know living folkloric music, and uh, uh, I I loved it. And we spent a lot of time in Louisiana because Joel was quite the hero down there. Yeah. And so I saw I saw the finest. I saw the 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 legend legendary Cajun musicians, up and coming young musicians, great Zydeco musicians, uh, uh, great New Orleans. Spent enough time in New Orleans to. Uh, to see that that tradition as well, which is a whole another world of music. So, uh, so it was uh, his my time with Joel was very heady, and I learned a lot. Who was the? Uh, I'm drawing a blank down. Know why the the fiddle player, famous Cajun fiddle player, played always down low all the time. Uh, Doug Kershaw. Doug Kershaw. Yeah. 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 He was another uh, guy. I used to buy all of his records and. Yeah, we we used to cross paths with Doug regularly, and uh, uh, other younger artists like Wayne Toops, a fabulous high energy Cajun accordion player. Uh, and of course, Randy, you know the Cajun music started in Canada. Oh yes, yeah, <laughs> they ran them out of Canada for a while. Yeah, what were they? Were they the Hutterites? What was what was that that group that uh, headed south? I'm not exactly sure. What, what was that now? Uh, the, well, the, the, it was a religious uh, sect, wasn't it? That was banned. It was shipped out of I, Canada. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't know all the. I don't know all the the uh, the history. I just know roughly that they were. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I guess asked to leave uh, Quebec, and they sort Acadia. of Acadia. 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 Yes, and and they uh, you know. Uh, the uh, they they sort of rounded the northeast of the country, <laughs> trying to find a place to settle. And uh, by the time they got to, by the time they got to Louisiana, they were no longer Canadians <laughs> but Cajuns. So yeah, and you can't yep. go much further than 
New Orleans, you kind of hit water. (laughs) (laughs) So moving on from, from uh, doing the Cajun music, obviously you moved into playing with a a bunch of country artists as well. What was kind of your, Mm -hmm. your favorite out of the bunch there that you played with? Well, Carlene Carter was very much, uh, you know, she, as the daughter of, uh, of June Carter, Uh, stepfather of Johnny Cash, uh, stepdaughter of Johnny Cash. Uh, you know, I felt a real connection to, you know, I, I got to hear stories about the Carter family and Mother Maybell and learn those songs and play some of those songs. So, so that was a. Was Carter that was really a, related to Fred? No, no, that's another Carter girl that I, that I also played with and, and enjoyed my time with, Dina Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred, uh, Fred was well known as a uh, as a session guitar player back in back in okay. the fifties and sixties, and he was also very tight with Levon Helm and the band. Uh, uh, so uh, he has a history with those guys, and Nina Carter, uh, who was big in the big in the nineties yeah. with Strawberry Wine and uh, a few other few other mm-hmm. big hits. Uh, that she's his daughter. Okay. And they, uh, they, they, she says that, that she and she would find herself in a room with Carlene in opposite corners and they would just kind of be looking at each other thinking, you know, are we related or, and they, they figured out that maybe they were distantly related somehow, but, uh, uh, some, sometimes I would follow Dina to the stage and it was just like following Carlene to the stage. Oh yeah. <laughs> I could see that. Uh, also, you did some work with Martina McBride as well. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, that I, I worked with Martina for the the two years leading up until the Beach Boys, oh, yeah. and she what she did was uh, she made a record uh, with Don Was mm-hmm. of uh, her favorite uh, soul music songs, soul and R and B songs. Yeah, so. They brought in a six-piece horn section to cut that record, and I was part of part of that those sessions. Yeah, and uh, of course, when the record is done, there, uh, she contacted me and said, "Well, you know, we're going to go do 20, 30 shows to promote this record, and we we want to take a big horn section out with us, and I'm going to add singers, and we're just going to be this big band out there doing these songs." Um, I said, "Great." Uh, jumped right on board and she loved it so much that she had our arranger arrange put horns on all of her songs oh yeah write horn charts for her all of her classics that she would do in the course of a show yeah and uh we toured it for two years awesome yeah i could uh, see a lot of those songs doing well with horn sections yeah 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 and uh you know it was a we were doing uh, uh, Motown songs and stack songs and obscure blues songs uh, right alongside Independence Day and uh, yeah. uh, all, all of her classic hits and uh, uh, with with uh, three-piece background singers and, and uh, four horn players. And it was just a, a great a great mix. Yeah, I bet. And I, on your list of people in one of my kind of all-time favorite singers who not, not a lot of people know, but Shelby Lynn um, is a fabulous singer. Yeah. And, yeah. And one, of, one of the finest, one of the finest singers on the planet. Love Shelby. Yeah. Years and years ago, 
my family when we were performing uh, uh, at um, the big event. And I'm, I'm drawing a, a blank again. Uh, what's the big show they have every June? Fanfare? Fanfare, Fanfare. yes. Fanfare. So we represented Canada at Fanfare and Shelby Lynn was just coming out uh, on the scene. That's where I, I met her and saw her for the very first time. I mean, many, many years ago. But there was this big buzz going around town about about her and um, she really didn't seem to take off like everyone thought she would. But man, what a unbelievable singer. Like, yeah, I, I, I treasure those times because her... Just amazing singer, I'm like yeah. like an amazing and being on stage with a with a uh, uh, with an incredible instrumentalist. Yeah. Just great control, great. You always she could lead a band just by breathing. Yeah, yeah. There's not too many of those around. They're just yeah. a step above everybody else. They have this something special about them that that you just can't place. Yeah. yeah. So. Do you prefer, if you had a choice, uh, going on the road and being a horn, saxophone, keyboard player, or being a studio guy? Um, obviously, you do a lot of both. What what would be your preference out of the two? I, I, I enjoy the travel, and I enjoy the audiences, and I enjoy seeing things, seeing new things uh, time after time. And... Uh, uh, I think so far the Beach Boys have taken me to 30 countries wow. over the four years that I've worked with them, and uh, I, I just I just thrive on that. Uh, studio work is its own beautiful thing, and I, I jump at the chance to do that. But uh, I don't know. I think that could uh, that could grow staler for me than than what I what I've seen over over my life as a traveling musician. Yeah, and as a sax player, you're probably just coming in as an overdub almost most of the time. You're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either it's either bring in the bring in the the horn section at the end of you know a lot of a lot of the country acts are known for maybe doing one song on a record with horn section. Bring in the four horn four piece horns or this needs to we 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 need a, something to happen here. Bring it, put a sax solo on it. Yeah. yeah so so it, it's all it's just it's like that. And and even when I when I do work for for the Beach Boys and Mike Love, uh, we've we've cut we've done some cutting as a group on the West Coast. But uh, uh, as Mike comes up, he he'll do a record every year or so, uh, or he'll do a special thing for a TV show, TV appearance, or for uh, or to you know the sort of COVID awareness. We did a little a little piece for that, and. Uh, and they'll they'll knock out this they'll knock out the rhythm tracks wherever they can assemble enough people, and then uh, then send send me the stem and I do my work here in my home studio where yeah. I'm sitting right now. <laughs> awesome. And so when you got the Beach Boys gig, uh, you were told you got it. How soon were you actually hitting the road and doing a show? Well, within a week. So you had a lot yeah, we, a lot to learn. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, the, the, we have a wonderful music director, Scott Totten, who runs runs a tight ship, and uh, he was he was very hands on immediately. And he said, "Look, I've got the chart. All you got to do is uh, learn these charts, and you'll fit right in. And then we'll figure out how to how to adjust. But these charts, these notes have to be there." Yeah. And uh, uh, 
under, I understood, you know, the, because of the, because of the legend of their records and their songs that, yeah, you got to be that precise. Uh, you can't deviate from it. So, um, I got in and, uh, uh, Mike, Mike Love loved what I was doing. His only guideline was more baritone sax. Oh, yeah. Play more baritone sax. So, so you know, a lot of those, a lot of those old songs, the baritone sax is kind of buried down in the with the low guitars and with the six string basses and things. So, yeah. so, uh, so I'm on some things. I'm 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 playing flute on pet sounds music is that that layer of icing yeah. but sometimes i'm honking along with the rhythm section on the baritone sax and it's uh, just great fun and we've kind of you know we we kind of have our moments where we can deviate and do a do a you know do longer solos or things like that but uh but you can't you know you can't embellish kokomo you yeah. can't embellish god only knows it has to be a, a presentation yeah. So tell me what's what's the actual uh, instrumentation lineup in the in the current version of the Beach Boys? We have uh, uh, bass, drums, keyboards, uh, three guitar players down front, okay. and me on saxophone, uh, alto and barry sax, uh, concert and alto flute, some harmonicas and some little percussion instruments. Uh, Bruce Johnston down front. Play, he has a keyboard as well, so he's chiming in, and uh, uh, a little help from the from uh, the 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 uh, keyboardist on samples, you know, filling in extra woodwind parts or, or saxophone right. parts, and uh, we get a we get a pretty full sound for that lot, right? And uh, and not to mention <clears throat> the incredible singers that are on board. Yeah, uh, we we have just. Uh, a, a great group of singers and which you, of course you, you got to have that for the beach boys. So when you're, so when you're not in the audience hearing those beach boy harmonies and you're standing on stage and you're hearing either in your ear or in your four monitor, whatever you're using, yeah. that must be a life changing experience. It's, 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 it's very good. It's very good. And like I said, our, our musical director is very, He's particularly strict about the about the vo vocals, so there's always little tweaks happening to the vocals, and uh, it's it's wonderful to hear that to hear it night after night. Well, when especially when you when like most of us who are of a certain age grew up hearing those those Wilson and oh, yeah. Love harmonies, yeah, you know, exactly like that. And you and, you, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you and they no, that's 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 up that's up that's up that's a sample from the keyboard. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but when that rolls along, when that part comes along, it's the loudest theremin you've ever. Heard. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's the big the good vibrations is usually yeah. the big yeah. finish of the night. And uh, boy, sometimes I take the ears out <laughs> how loud it actually is in the concert hall and go, oh, <laughs> that's really loud, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a rock and roll show, but uh, you know our crowds, you know our crowds are people our parents' age, all the way down to our grandchildren's age, yeah. and the young kids know every words to the every word of the songs. They yeah. dance, they they have a party. You know, they were they were raised well. 
they know they know the songs. That's right. Now, from from a from a, a, a musician's perspective, can you tell us about uh, the kind of uh, reeds you use, mouthpiece, your instruments? Well, it's, uh, you know, my instruments are, uh, you know, you mentioned the Selmer horn earlier, Darren. Mm -hmm. I played a Selmer Mark VI tenor for most of my life. But uh, now I use instruments by a guy named Oleg. Uh, uh, he's a legendary repairman out in, in, uh, in Los Angeles. And like, like many people, many of the guys that have spent their life in that in the things, he has his own line of saxophones, which are um, his very precisely manufactured pieces, which he gathers from, from all over the world. It's not just a, a Taiwanese horn or a Chinese horn with his name stamped on it. He builds them and tweaks them and refines them in, in L.A., and uh, they're just the uh, – a friend turned me on to them, and uh, – they're just wonderful instruments. So I use those. Um, Ted Klum, I use his mouthpieces. He's a uh, uh, the, the premier mouthpiece creator in the world, as far as I can tell right now. Um, uh, the really wanting to capture the magic of, you know, if, from whether it's a, a Telecaster or a tenor sax or a trombone, you always hear the old stuff was better. The old instruments were better. Yeah. And so they're, so Ted, Oleg, they're, they're looking for that elusive. Well, why was it better? Uh, whether it's metal or design or assembly or, and so, uh, uh, so I, I, I like their gear, but I, I love Yamaha saxophones. Uh, 10M fan is another guy who, another fine music, uh, mouthpiece manufacturer designer and manufacturer and i use a couple of his pieces as well what about reeds uh well you know it's 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 constantly changing but i use uh uh diadario jazz select reeds which used to be called uh, rico reeds yeah uh, the diadario company brought that company a few years back uh and uh I have a friend that runs a little operation, the Boston Sack Shop, Jack Finucan, and he designed his own type of reed. So I use his reeds as well. They're they're great in the studio, yeah. where you got where you've got to think more of dynamics. But uh, on the on the on the Beach Boy stage, where it's a lot of energy and a lot of a lot of pushing, yeah, uh, the the Diadario reeds hold up great. And what number do you use? Four. Four. Four songs. Yeah. yeah. There you go. The Adario, they, 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 uh, they, they go four, they, they go a number, soft, medium, hard. And I'm already starting to blow out the four softs. So I might have to, uh, on the baritone sax. Yeah. So, uh, 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 I get a, I get a, a, a couple of hours of serious aerobic exercise every night on that show. <laughs> the, uh, one thing I used to do all the time on the road and with my family band is I used to do this song where I'd hop from instrument to instrument and do one of those, yeah. you know, mama don't now know whatever playing around here. Oh, so, yeah. so because we're a country band, the saxophone never really came up very much and used to be the most stressful part of the show <laughs> because it would be yakety sax, you know, 30 minutes into a show. Yeah. In the middle of the song where you, yeah, it was just like you had to, you had enough time to 
grab your instrument that you were, or put down the instrument, grab the sax, put the strap on and go. Wait, <laughs> and go. it was like, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that was always the most stressful part of the whole show for me. It's just like, yeah. can I when, get through when this? We're, when, when, when we're outside doing hot summer shows, uh, or most of the time, actually, uh, I will take, uh, I'll get like a thick, paper napkin from catering or a thick paper towel and roll up into two little strips, soak it in water, yep. wrap it around the mouthpiece. Oh, yeah. And that just, that's my mouthpiece cap for the duration of the, of the, the gig. So yeah. it, it keeps everything, keeps everything at least uh, moist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you never played the instrument before you, it, it's hard to explain that to somebody. It's like, it's yeah. not like a guitar yeah. pick or, or anything like that. It's just, it's really makes a difference whether in that, uh, that slow motion when you grab an instrument and you're pulling it towards you and everything is in slow motion and the reed is all wavy <laughs> like that. Like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I, I done it once where I, I grabbed the same thing. I looked and there was the right on the edge. There's a big chunk falling off the side of the reed. And it's like, Oh, okay, this, yeah. is, this isn't yeah. going to go well, <laughs> but uh, you know, you get through it. Yeah. So, so you must do a lot of different, types of gigs with the beach boys i'm sure there's a bunch of corporate stuff and and mm -hmm. you know private stuff and and big shows uh, what what are mm -hmm. the, kind of the neat some of the niche gigs you've done uh we will do um i mean we've played literally for a hundred people in a backyard uh uh hundred wealthy people but yeah. <laughs> but uh we did a you know we we showed up and it was at a a beautiful home uh, on a on a cliff on a on a green hill overlooking a river in Oregon, and it was literally a a a, a, a guy and his and his and uh, his backyard party, yeah, hundred feet a backyard party, and they said, "Oh yeah, we uh, last year we had Tony Bennett. We didn't even build a stage. We just set him up on the on the patio. It was wonderful, yeah." And uh, you know, and those are fun. Those are talk about intimacy and people really being happy to see you there. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are great, but then we'll do a, a festival in England with 70, 80,000 people drifting off into the background. <laughs> That's uh, 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 performing arts centers, you know, anything yeah. from 500 to 3000 seats. We'll do that. We'll do, uh state fairs county fairs uh yeah. uh just uh it's 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 a wide variety and the amazing thing about the amazing thing about that gig is that every song you play is an iconic piece of music yes. that that virtually everybody knows if they don't know all the words they at least know when the chorus is going to come up and they all sing along it's yeah incredible. and we we keep a pretty big book uh, handy uh, okay. uh, because if we go to London, uh, we'll play the Royal Albert Hall, uh, sell out two nights there, and we'll trot out m m almost the entire Pet Sounds album. Wow. Uh, we bring in, for that show, we bring in uh, uh, four brass and three woodwinds and, uh, and a symphonic percussionist on uh, timpani and vibes and, and chimes. So uh, uh, that's one of my favorite shows because we we do the the ex we we expand the, 
the band. Well, in the U in the in the UK, uh, they credit Pet Sounds with having uh, prompted the Beatles to do oh, yeah. Sgt. Pepper. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, they 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 those those are the high. We do that every two years. Hopefully, that twenty twenty one is is our next year to do, to do uh, the Albert Hall. So hopefully that'll be on, uh, I already see it penciled in on the schedule. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, a, you know, that's for, for us rock and roll fans, so many live albums, live at the Albert Hall. I don't know, yeah. what, oh, yeah. I, what is this Albert Hall? And it's just <laughs> the, the vibe and the sense of respect there is just palpable. Yeah. And, the, and the people love it. They love what we do there. Well, you know, keep in mind that that, that that music was what a lot of the acts coming out of Liverpool and the Mercy uh, River sure. area were listening to and were trying to emulate and were trying to copy Little Richard and all the rest of that stuff and, and, and the, the Stones wanting to be a Chicago blues band. Mm-hmm. So, so for, you, for you to bring that music that they... Uh, that was such an intimate part of their young lives is that must be phenomenal. It, like the fans would just be over the moon to see my love. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but those songs go over just as well in, uh, in Prague or Bratislava or uh, <laughs> uh, any, any number of places that you wouldn't, maybe the only English they know is to sing along with fun, fun, fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what's a typical, day on on tour if you're on tour doing a one-off at least um with the beach boys what, what time does your your day start and it, what's a typical load in and, and sound check well these guys have done this for so long yeah and we have such a crack crew that it's just uh it's it's down to it's it's easy it's it's easy on the musicians uh go over with the crew usually about two o'clock because uh, I like to get to the venue, play my horns, walk around the town. Uh, I, I would rather do that than, than kill time in a hotel room. Um, maybe about four, the rest of the band arrives, and we do a very quick. Uh, unless we're working on new songs, soundcheck takes about five minutes. Wow. It's, di- <laughs> it's dialed in all the way across the board, yeah. and we just boom, 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 a cu- couple of tops and tails, and okay, we're ready to go. Uh, show might start at 7 30 uh some some events we've done don't the show doesn't get go, roll until 10 30 or 11 you know especially in europe yeah. uh or or a, or a private thing and uh if if it's uh if if it's an evening with the beach boys then we do two sets and uh, uh we'll pull some deep we have a, a like i said a, a deep well of deep cuts to pull from just, just to, for, to shake things up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, 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 so we'll do that. We'll do more of Mike's solo, you know, a couple more, of his solo tunes in the, in, in the full evening set. And we'll be on stage. We'll take an intermission, but we're on stage for two and a half hours, two hours, 45 minutes sometime. Wow. That's a long show. We, we, we Mike likes to play long, a lot of music. But then if we go to a casino, uh, Rama or, or Falls View or Vegas or, or California, uh, it's, you know, as Rob probably knows, it's a 
it's a 90 minute show, get them back out on the floor. Yeah. But, and, and if we have a 90 minute show, it's yeah, solid. It yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no, no slowing down, no deep cuts. It's boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And, and that's, and that's an astounding thing to, to be a part of. It's, it's great fun. So you must've, uh, played at a, quite a few amazing venues. Do you have any favorites uh, out of the bunch that you've performed at besides Albert Hall? Uh, that, 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 that is good. Uh, as casinos go and, and Rob will tell you falls view in, uh, in uh, Niagara, Ontario is a, is a beautiful venue, uh, a great place to play and great folks to work with. Um, Australia, we, we, I did not do, we didn't do the uh, opera house in Sydney last time we were there, although they did it on their 50th anniversary tour several years prior. Yeah. Uh, but just, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm keen on, uh, on Europe. We, uh, beautiful venues mm -hmm. in the Netherlands and Germany across the UK. Uh, so that's my, that's my favorite, uh, especially, especially the, uh, the, the festivals in Europe are just, they have a certain, I mean, some of them are huge, but there's, there's a, a, a lot more charm going on there. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just a lot, uh, just a lot of fun, uh, no pressure, just, just fun. Um, in the States, um. Gosh, I can't remember the Bethel Woods up on the grounds of the old Woodstock concert. Yeah, is great venue. Uh, Ravinia in Chicago <laughs> is another wonderful venue uh, that I'm all, I'm always uh, happy to see those those places. I I always amazed that you know what people say for their favorite venues, and it's it's a lot yeah. of it's the same. You hear Red Rocks quite a bit too, and that type of thing, but. <clears throat> There's one I just saw not too long ago again, and I remember it used to be popular. Um, and it's a, I think it's an amphitheater on the East Coast, and they have like a pool and everything backstage. If you do you know the venue I'm talking about? Uh, that, that doesn't one? ring a bell. Yeah, you may have. <laughs> it, it's a pretty cool spot, and I see a lot of people talking about it because it's like a they made a little resort backstage for yeah. everybody. So they have a huge pool, and they have bikes you can go and right around the property and all this stuff and oh. and everyone shows up early and it's like a big party and and yeah. uh, it's it's simple I, you know it's a great idea you you wonder why more venues wouldn't wouldn't do that because it attracts people because it's it's a their wait to go there and they they talk about it all the time i have to look it up and see what what the venue is but it's it's pretty cool but but then again we we have some other venues that are literally rock and roll bars that hold yeah. you know we we might do uh, a day of two shows or two days of four shows for 500 capacity. Yeah. And, uh, uh, one that comes to mind is, uh, the, the paramount in gosh, it's, 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 it's in New York state, but I, I can't, this, the, the town, uh, eludes me, but just a, a beautiful split level, intimate rock and roll club. Have you ever just, played the melody tents on Cape Cod? Yes, we do. We do all of those. Been? You ever been there, uh, Darren? No. It's it's a circus tent. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. With a revolving. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's. Let's see the the melody tent. Yeah. There there are three of them that we play regularly. Yeah. Uh, revolving round stage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we call we call them the the spin and puke. <laughs> yeah. <that's> and, right. <laughs> uh, and and 
And the best thing about those is that they've been there forever. They've been there since the 50s. So you go backstage and all the handbills of all the, you know, the all the artists from the 50s all through, you know, Don Rickles, uh, Tody Fields, uh, Tom <laughs> Jones, you know, just just this 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 history on the walls uh, is 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 charming to to look at. Yeah, and that's about the only charm backstage of those places. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you probably travel lots, tour bus, I imagine, quite a bit. Do you you guys fly a lot to your? Well, shows? it's 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 a mixture. If yeah. if it's a long run where everything is routed perfectly, then we travel in two buses. Yeah. Uh, uh, people, we are scattered. Our band and crew are scattered all over the country. So we, we, if, if it's the Midwest, we fly all meet in Chicago, get on the buses, do the Midwest. Uh, if it's, if it's the West coast, we all fly, we all meet in LA, get on the buses, but there's certainly plenty of, we'll be on the East coast one day and have to fly to the West coast for a one nighter and then back to the East coast to, to get back on the bus. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of, there are a lot of, a lot of logistics yeah. involved. <laughs> But that makes it fun and interesting, and not the same. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm, wherever, the, I'm wherever the gigs are, wherever the gigs are, and as long as they can pay transport, right? Hey, hey, they they tell <laughs> they tell stories of in the past of doing a morning gig, getting on the private jet, doing an afternoon yeah. gig, getting back on the private jet, doing an evening gig, <laughs> and then getting back on the bus and resuming. <laughs> yeah, that used to happen, right? That. Yeah. Yeah. So how how has it been for you now being at home during COVID and all that stuff? Are you getting antsy to get back out there? You know, you're doing some gigs, you were saying, but it must be obviously a change for everybody. How's it How's it been for you? It, it's uh, it is it's disorienting when you travel uh, as much as as much as I have over the over the. This is the most intense touring schedule I've ever been involved with with the with the Beach Boys. Uh, they're in high demand and they like, and they love nothing. You know, Mike, Mike love 79 years old, Bruce Johnston, 78 years old. And they live for every gig. They yeah. live for the next gig. Uh, they, they love it. They, and they're like kids when they get on the stage, they great, great hangs, great bandmates. Um, so, We've done, we've managed, I think we've done three gigs with the Beach Boys. We did a private and two, uh, two large outdoor gigs that were so uh, appropriately socially distanced. And uh, everybody's in the same boat. It's like, we, you know, we used, we're used to spending more time together than with our families. Yeah. So it's like uh, everyone misses it and misses each other. And we're ready to get back to get back to doing it somehow. Yeah. Uh, you know that the, the the everyone's wishing for the best, and I have over 150 dates scheduled penciled in for for 2021 right now. So. Wow! <laughs> yeah, let's hope we can uh, get things rolling <clears throat> in 2021. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Since since we won't be on Facebook. It appears. I know, since we're yeah. doing shows yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. If not, that's what we'll see. We'll, well actually, see you could, actually, you could be there because you, Mike owns the material. So yeah, you yeah. can go there. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's been pretty 
fascinating conversation. I, you know, it's to see where you've come from and come from Texas and up through into Nashville and now playing with the Beach Boys. It's it's a really neat history of of music. It's not been always the same type of and it hasn't been just playing all rock and roll or all this. Yeah. You've really had variety a, is the spice of life. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Randy and I Randy and I met about, yes, let's talk 10 about that. years about 10 years ago. Uh, did uh, uh, my rock and soul show with me and uh, at the, you're talking about playing keyboard. I hired him as a keyboard player at that time and we did uh, we did uh, uh, what was the James Brown tune? I feel good. I feel fine. Yeah. I feel good. Right. And so uh, at that point, Randy was on one side of the stage playing piano. Robert Martin was on the other side of the stage playing B3. We had seven horn players downstage of the drums and the guitars. And when we did that tune, Randy and Robert picked up their tenor saxes. So we had nine, a nine piece horn section yeah. playing, wow. that, <laughs> playing that one song. It was great. And uh, I'll tell you, it's been a, a joy working with you, Randy, over the years, really every moment's been great that's been great i, I look you know. forward to the day when we can when we can do it again or at least run into you in uh uh in uh, toronto or uh, uh your hometown tell me now there's a there's store, wallaceburg wallaceburg is where i'm originally yeah, from but what uh, the story that randy and i had we were at the station inn one night and we went to see uh vince skill and the time jumpers right now when we were at the station inn, we saw. Didn't we see the comedy group Doyle and Doyle and Debbie? I can't, well, it could have been. Could have I been. think it was. I think that's the last time I saw you in Nashville. So, so uh, we were at the station inn. <clears throat> excuse me. There's not much room between the tables, and it's all like banquet tables, right? Yeah. So, so Randy and Joni were on one side, and I was on the other side, and they kept bumping into these people, and they said. Uh, and so Randy apologized, you know, I'm sorry. And he said, oh, don't worry about us. We're just a bunch of Canadians. And so Randy said, well, my <laughs> friend over here is from Canada. And, uh, and uh, so I said, so where are you from? And they said, Sarnia. They said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Wallaceburg. So that's only about 30 miles difference. They said, oh, you got to go and talk to those folks down at the end of the table. They're from, they're from Wallaceburg. Wow. And so I happened to be uh, – with one of the young ladies who was in my Six Chicks show that night, a very attractive <laughs> lady. And uh, uh, so I went down to introduce myself to these folks at the end of the table, and it turns out they were my grade 10 English and physics teacher. No way. <laughs> <laughs> and rather than, rather than explain to them that this was not my wife, I thought I'll just let I'll just let that go back to Canada and we'll see, we'll see, where, <laughs> see where that rumor ends up. <laughs> so, no, it, it, how did you? Randy's phenomenal. How did you both of you actually meet for the first time? Uh, it was uh, an audition. Yeah, it was an audition, and once again, a friend of a friend. You know, uh, one of my pals called me and said, "Hey, uh, there's a guy coming to, to Nashville to do some." some open auditions and I've given him your name and, uh, uh, for what, what show was that for Rob? That was for the, uh, that was for the jukebox. The, uh, the, the I 50s. think it was, it, I think it might've been for cruising, but, uh, no, it was the other one with the get with the, with the Maytag man. Oh, the, the country show, my country. I can't remember. Is, is that uh, a country yeah, yeah, classics? It was, it was, 
the country show was the first one that I country, did. Country classics. Okay, yeah, yeah. and yeah, that, yeah. that's right. Uh, and then I and then I did the I did the old I did a one nighter with you on cruising. I think before you know in the in the yeah, interim. that was when we that was we came to. Uh, I think I was subbing. We for, came for, to. I I wasn't able to do the show for Robert. Yeah, and that was in uh, up up uh, upstate New York. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, at uh, uh, Oneida, yeah. But uh, but Rob set it up in uh, he had a, key, a keyboard and uh, and a playback system and uh, uh, set up at SIR in Nashville. And I showed up and there were ten or twelve people that I knew auditioning on various instruments. And <laughs> I sat at the piano and played the piano and played along with some tracks and played a bit myself. And he said, "What are you doing next month?" <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I think that 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 first thing was five weeks at yeah. uh, uh, at the, at Falls for you in January and February. <laughs> That's right. Well, back in back in those days, we would uh, we were the matinee show basically. Yeah. So we yeah. would run sun, Sunday through uh, Wednesday. No, yeah, Sunday through Thursday. Then the headliners came in on the weekend. Yeah. And and played uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then. We'd load back in on Sunday and keep going, yeah, for about five weeks at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Those wow. are the days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I long for those days to come back, man. Yeah, let's yeah. get back. Let's get back to that real soon. <laughs> That'd be really nice. For sure. For sure. Yeah, you always wonder what what it's gonna ramp up like, whether it's gonna be just, you know, balls to the wall or is it gonna be just a slow grind to get yeah, back there? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know, but like I say, a lot of uh a lot of what I hear is folks are hoping for, I mean, 2020 was going to be the busiest year that the Beach Boys have ever had. Yeah. Uh, and and just in general, the, the concert industry was looking at a banner year. I saw, uh, I saw a joke on Facebook that said, I'm going to call my mother and ask her if that offer to slap me into next year is still yeah. open. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for a good slap in the next year. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, wrap it up. Uh, I know I asked you what your favorite venue was, uh, and I always like to ask my guests, do you have a venue out there you've never played at that you've always wanted to? Or have you pretty well, well you mentioned, it all? you mentioned Red Rocks. I've never yeah. done that. Place. No. Uh, there, there's a beautiful outdoor venue that we call the Little Red Rocks in uh, southern Utah, uh, I can't remember the name, but it's, it's beautiful. And it, and it literally, it looks like a miniature Red Rocks. Yeah. Uh, and that was the, my first Beach Boys gig was at that place. Oh. So, uh, so that, so, so I, I'd like to return there, but Red Rocks uh, theater. Um, we had, uh, we had three nights at the Hollywood bowl with the oh, nice. LA Philharmonic on the, on the schedule this summer. And that went away. Uh, we had Carnegie Hall on the schedule for a Christmas show wow. that went away, but uh, uh, with with luck, we'll be I'll be hitting all those places in the future. Yeah, you bet. Well, it's been a great conversation. Uh, certainly enjoy you taking your time out and uh, chatting with us, and and I can't wait till we're all on the road, and hopefully, I'll get to see uh, you perform with the Beach Boys. I love. To, I hope we will. We will. We will cross paths in real life. That would be Absolutely. great. Well, hang on. And we'll I'll see. see and I'll see you again, Rob, for sure. All right, Randy. Thank you, man. Well, we'll, we'll do a proper goodbye here in a second, but I'm just going to wrap it up. Thanks again. And uh, we'll, we'll see you down the road one of these days. Very good. Look forward to it. Mm -hmm.